welcome to the Real Estate Raw Show, hosted by Joe Mendoza. Hi guys, Joe Mendoza here in sunny San Diego. Welcome to my show. Thanks so much for watching, subscribing, and following. Please keep sharing the good word. Ladies and gentlemen, today I have a fellow colleague in the Illinois area. He is an author of two different great books, actually a third that I just learned about. Um, the first book, Half Millionaire Real Estate Agent. The second one, Cracking the Home Seller's Code. He's sold over 100 homes, all right? And he talks about working 20 hours a week. Welcome to the show, Brian Hurt Ernst. How are you? Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Actually, I've been averaging 100 closed transactions a year, closed well over 1,000. <laughs> just want to make sure the numbers are right, you know. All right. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. So before real estate, I saw a few fun things, a few fun facts that I found on Facebook. You were in the secret service. Yeah, I have a degree in law enforcement. I was going to go into federal law enforcement and I interned with secret service in Chicago. Um, got to meet Clinton, Gore, play with all that fun stuff. I worked for a police department briefly um, and I got into sales. Uh, I was actually waiting to go into federal law enforcement and went back to grad school, you know, ran out of money, went back into car sales again. And then I got into real estate. And I know so many people who get into real estate have such a lot of aspirations of greatness and great things. I just wanted to get out of the, I just wanted to get out of the car business. I love cars, but I hated that. I hated the business. So it crazy story. I mean, I've, I've, I've been through quite a few different, you know, career choices um, before 17 and a half years of real estate. Now, um, your prior career, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Any fun stories with any of those uh, uh, big names you just mentioned? Oh, geez, fun stories. I mean, I mean which <laughs> Secret Service was interesting. You know, it was, I, have, I don't know if they're politically correct stories. I don't know if I'm supposed to share some of these stories. Yeah, be uh, careful. It was a, <laughs> a time uh, Al Gore was uh, campaigning for president. Um, okay. Uh, in, in Clinton, oh my God, he, I, I don't care if people like him or hate him. You, you got to respect the guy for just, he was doing, uh, an event in, um, geez, and it was a, it was a rough part of Chicago. He was doing it in, and he just dives right in the crowd, shaking hands and just getting to know everybody. I'm like, I, the secret service was freaking out. <laughs> I'm like, you got it. Like that guy just got out there. You know, I don't care what your political beliefs are. You got to respect a guy who just put themselves out there like that. Um, and Gore was campaigning at the time. So that was a whole different, whole different setup. So some of those things, uh, it wasn't exciting as, as you think, cause I was in the field office most of the time, you know, wasn't counted a lot of at the time, secret service part of the treasury department. So I was counting a lot of counterfeit money. I was counting it up. Um, so a lot of bad counterfeit money. I mean, I was counting, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, of counterfeit money, just wow. ridiculous amounts. And because that's what they, that's the Secret Service was um, basically, you know, part of the Treasury Department, counterfeit and presidential protection. And they've obviously changed those things. So um, lots of fun stories in the car business. But, you know, were you, were you that guy like we see in the movies, in the nice suit, hiding the gun, little earpiece on the side, following uh, important people around? I was an intern. They didn't, they didn't give me a gun. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't give me a gun, and and I, I, I didn't didn't wouldn't need one for what I was doing. So, okay. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I remember 
trying to get my next job because that when that internship ended, I was trying to get a, a car. I was trying to get a job in the car business. And I remember the guy was just messing with me on the phone and I'm in a suit and tie. I'm in the radio room of the, you know, the secret service for Chicago's field office. And I'm going to, you know, you're always dressed professionally and he's just joking with me on the phone. I'm like, I don't know what to say. You know, it's, it's, you know, I'm going from one side, one extreme to another. I guess that's kind of in my life. One extreme to another, you know, the car business was, the guy was just joking, messing with me on the phone. And I'm just trying to keep a straight face because I have all these agents around me, you know? And then right after the car business, then you went into real estate? Well, I actually did it for about a year. Then I went back to grad school and then I got sucked back into it again. And uh, I was selling Acuras and then I sold Audis. Um, that's really where I learned how to sell was the car business. I didn't learn how to sell real estate. I learned how to sell. Um, and that's what helped me for the first yeah, four years of my real estate career. You know, give me a contract. I mean, I'm just filling the blanks, right? Okay. If it's a house, it's a car, or it's a whatever, I'm just selling something or, you know, people want to buy it. So, and, and 17 and a half years ago, I mean, you could sell anybody a house. I mean, laid on your current mortgage, rent payment, car payment, no problem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a little different now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've always told people that I work with at a coach that car salespeople are very, very skilled salespeople that are great for real estate. So nah, that was, yeah. that was a huge tip. You just oh, oh, absolutely. That's, I mean, the average agent was negotiating about once a month on a deal at the time. It was about six deals a year. They were averaging at the time for the average agent. And I mean, doing that a day at a, you know, in the car business, you know, negotiations back and forth. I remember my first negotiations ever. I predicted back and forth all the counter offers. I could just tell the style of how they were negotiating. It was just, okay, this is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to do. Um, I was with my ex-wife at the time <laughs> that, that didn't last. Um, but she's like, how did you do that? I'm like, it's just, I've done it so much. You know, you, you just pick up on their style and I, prepared my clients for it and they were thrilled with it and they got their house. And that was my first deal I ever did. Nice. I knew where we were going. Just, it was just a negotiation style that you, I could identify right away. Nice. Nice. So out of the gates where you started to sell a hundred homes right away or you started slow, no. what was kind of the transition? I was, I was good. I wasn't great. I wasn't fantastic. Um, uh, when I first got into it, I don't think I really, I was in the process of getting divorced. So <laughs> Um, very shortly into real estate, I was getting divorced. So everything that I made, I had to split with her. And then in the, the judge was not accounting for any of my costs. So I would say the first six months, I wasn't selling much of anything. Okay. Uh, when that was all finalized, then I just, I launched, I took off and I was, I was just by myself. You know, I didn't have anybody working for me and I was probably doing 30, 40 deals a year. Yeah. And it was, it was decent money. And I was blowing it as fast as I was making it. You know, I was, you know, it, it certainly didn't save up anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is typically with most realtors. They don't start to figure it out towards the end. So <laughs> I thought it would just keep coming. I thought it was consistent. What did I know? I didn't know anything. <laughs> All right. So let's point out some of these highlights in your book. Sure. Okay. You're, you've been doing 100 homes a year for the last several years here. It's and been about an average, yeah. Yeah, you see, six years. on 20 hours a week, you must have some great systems, great people. You know, somebody just starting out in real estate, because I know yep. a lot of this applies to the fix and flippers out there, the rehabbers. Yep. And that's why I have you on board, because a lot of this applies 
both directions, whether you're in brokerage sure, or sure. investments. Tell it's, us about the process, your team, your system. So, so I think what you're getting at is really who am I working with more than anything? If you're talking with investors, those types of people, and, I, and I've worked with quite a few investors in my career, um, it's really developing the right relationships. And for me, uh, my business is in Illinois, and it's developing the relationship with the lenders, uh, with the attorneys, the home inspectors, everybody a part of the process and making sure that they can help me get through the deal. They're not deal breakers. Uh, my, the attorney that I use, he's, I consider him a salesman, okay? Because when a deal goes sideways, he's calling everybody saying, what do we got to do to put this back together? I mean, that may sound car sales-ish to some people, but I want a salesman on my side who's going to ask the closing question and not just let it all fall apart. So, and if something falls apart, he's going to fix it. My lender, something falls apart, he's going to fix it, okay? If he can. And, and you know, if, if they make any mistakes, they will fix it themselves. They will pay for it if they have to. But really what it is, is when just something goes sideways, they're on top of it, which frees up my time to go do more deals. That's the whole idea of this. And it, you don't start at 20 hours. Let, let me, let's be clear here. I started my career and I was, a, I was a firefighter every day of the week, seven days a week, I'm available. And man, was I, I burnt out. Well, let's, let's, let's put the real perspective in here. 13 years ago, I ended up in rehab, okay? The recession, um, I mean, it was December of 2007. I was sitting on 30 listings, zero showings on them, 90-day contracts. Ah, you know, I was losing my mind, losing my mind. And I think shortly thereafter, I was in rehab, okay? Um, I had back surgery the summer before. It, you know, it's, it was stressful. My coping mechanisms were not good, okay? So this is not a, the journey that I've been on, it's not exactly been a, you know, fun ride at times. Ride, huh? <laughs> and I want, to, I want people to avoid the pain. I, don't, I, I know the pain. I don't want them to go through the pain that I've been through. So that's why I've shared this information with so many people is because you don't have to go through this pain. And I did. So that's after the, during the housing recessions, really when I learned how to sell real estate at a high level. And that's when I started getting more trained specifically for real estate. And my business was way down at the time that next year I was, you know, I started getting into to managing too, and my business tripled and I, sales training courses. I mean, it was like, it was a Floyd Wickman program at the time. And, uh, I'm, I'm I was running a group in a Remax office that I was a manager there for seven years. So teaching others what they need to do helped me to retain the information that I needed to do for my business. And I was probably only, I was probably working 60 hours a week as a manager and 60 hours a week as a agent or sorry, 30, 30 and 30, 60 total. Do my math, right? There's only 168 hours in the week. So 60 hours a week, I was, I was, it was pretty rough. Um, and I was, I was, that's after the housing recession, I was, well, coming out of it, I was working every waking hour of the day. I burned through all my savings and I'm starting from scratch. So I really had to rethink the whole process. And I had a lot of good tools in front of me that I could use. And I helped a lot of other people in the process of this. So the retention of information when you teach something is so much higher than if you just listen to it. You forget 98% of what you hear within 24 hours. But if you're taking notes, talking about it, you know, maybe you have a 10, 20, 30% retention of information. But when you teach it, it's a 90 to 95%. And that's, that's why I did it. I was teaching people how to go through the process of selling homes. Um, and it, it, it really transformed my career. Um, how big is my career right now? What's that? How big is your team right now? Well, I'm actually in the process of selling my business. 
I like that because I, that's what I think every real estate agent should aspire to do is to have a business that's saleable, nice. that you can sell it down the road. Nice. So I'm in a transition process. I'm actually in Las Vegas right now because okay. I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of coaching and training and I actually came out to Vegas the first of the year and I was doing live events out here. And unfortunately, live events aren't really happening. Um, not in person anyways, uh, but I like Las Vegas. So I stayed um, and I just in the process of, uh, I'm still in Illinois too, okay? But I'm spending most of my time out here. I have coaching clients meeting me out here and it is a, it's a whole nother adventure. So my team has kind of changed. So it's gonna be more of a partnership and basically selling off my business over a period of time. And so when uh, you had your team yeah. at Full Throttle, who, yeah. were, who was on your team? So when I wrote the, when I, when I originally had the book, and it, it, I didn't actually have it published until last year, but when I actually wrote the basic content, we're talking about six years ago, okay? okay? And it was just me and a buyer's agent. That was it. There was no admin, okay? And I basically put it down to when I, when I brought that buyer's agent on, at first my income went down significantly because I was paying her. But that next year, I more than made up for it because I focused on just listing properties. So I spent a year, my income went down, but that's my focus on listings. So that next year, it really, really took off. So that was the whole thing. That's where it bumped, the, all the numbers bumped up. And I was only focused on one thing. It was listing homes. Everything else I handed to my buyer's agent and that was it. I didn't handle anything on the buyer's side at that point. And that was part of my book. And as some people have commented saying, oh, it doesn't like buyer's agents. I don't like this book. Well, look, how many hours does it take to handle a buyer from start to finish? How many hours take to take a seller from contract to close? I mean, it's a fraction of the time. You can handle two, three, four sellers for the same period of time as one buyer. And the emotional stress of that and the flexibility, really flexibility of your schedule, you control your own schedule when you make appointments. That really launched me. And I had a lot more, well, it's called counterbalance to my life because I could shut down at six o'clock. On buyer side, I really couldn't do that. So I had a lot more, and this is called counterbalance. I was never fully in balance and it, it, it took off. And that's where it, it was all on me. I did every detail of everything. Okay. Um, and, and I don't know if I, I don't know if I wanted to maintain, stay at that level. And that's when I started growing the team setup. And that's when I switched brokerages uh, because I wanted to learn, you know, I could only learn so much from where I was at the time. And then after the buyer's agent, did you have an admin or two or three other agents? What, what, so, what were your capacity? So the structure of the team, I, the biggest my team has been is seven people. Okay. And this is going back about four years ago when I switched from uh, Remax of 14 years ago to, to, to Keller Williams. Okay. And I had, I actually built up about a four person team that was going to come and switch over to Keller Williams. And then it all fell apart. Okay. <laughs> They didn't get along with the, the, the team leader, the Keller Williams, whatever it was. And I was at zero and I had built up so much marketing and leads. I was flushing leads down the toilet. So I was quick to hire everybody on uh, as many people as I could. And that was a wrong approach. Learned that one real quick. Um, but I learned and I, I, I was like a sponge. Anything that I could absorb, any training, any, any advice, anything from people who'd done what I wanted to do before because they weren't sharing that at Remax. Okay. And I have to give Keller Williams credit for sharing a lot of that information. And I, 
I soaked it in. I, I absorbed that as much as I could. It wasn't the greatest fit for me and my business. And that's why we eventually moved to Keller or moved from Keller Williams to EXP. Um, and EXP is a whole different ball game. So most of the time when I grew my team, I probably had, I was probably doing the listings 90% of the time. Okay. Um, and then I, I probably had two or three buyers agents and I had one of my agents that was be like a listing manager. So I had list it because nobody could quite get it listed for the right price, the right commission, the right terms, the right setup to close. So, but I had other people who could take it from, from contract to close for me. So I had an admin too. I had several different assistants through the years and I've had several different iterations of my team. It's kind of morphed into different things and I've tried it in different ways. Um, I've traveled around the country. I've offered my services to look, to teach their teams. And so I could observe their teams and the learning process is fantastic. It was just, I had something to offer them and they had something to offer me and I learned a lot. So I, for quite a few years, I just, I made a goal four years ago to do a thousand deals. That was my goal in a year. Nice. I didn't know how to do it. That wasn't the point. It was just an outrageous goal. I think the most I got up to is 158 in one year. So, well, but hey, I'll take it. Let's switch gears a second here. Sure. Okay. So in the beginning, you mentioned about having a divorce. You yeah, mentioned 2017. Yeah. Sorry. 17 years, 17 years ago. Yep. And then you mentioned about the market crash. Yep. So people have these ups and downs, even in the audience. And now that we're going through COVID, I bet you there's somebody out there listening who's probably on the downside going through some tragedy or, or hardship. What helped you bounce out of those hardships that you were facing? What? Oh, there's a, well, sometimes that's just my inner drive. Okay. That's part of it. Um, I'm sure there's shame and guilt built in there that was driving me. And as I grew and learned more, I realized there's a good term for this, okay? And I, it fits. I call it forced opportunity. Forced opportunity. So the coronavirus, COVID-19, all the other, the pandemic, whatever it is, it's forced opportunity. It forces you to change what you're doing if you're not finding the success you want into doing something different. And you have to be hyper vigilant and hyper aware of what's going on because if you're not looking for it, you're probably sitting around complaining about it. And that doesn't help anybody. Okay. Um, it's if you're going to complain about something, just put on the end of it a solution to it or a process to solve it because this is my problem and this is what I'm going to do to resolve it. And this is what I'm going to do to change it. Everybody likes to talk about problems. It's not a problem, it's a challenge, Brian. It's a challenge. No, it's a problem. I'm going to call it a problem what it is. And I'm going to use, um, I don't have it here, Mark Manson's book, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a, I don't want to yeah, say it yeah. on, okay. <laughs> but he talks about it in his book too, is people don't consciously pick their problems a lot. They, they pick what their goals are, but are you ready for that next level problems? If you hit your goal, are you ready for the next level problems? Do you want, now this is my version, do you want the problem of putting food on the table for your family? Do you want those types of problems or do you want the problem that your Ferrari is always breaking down and it's in the shop? Oh, I'd rather have my Ferrari breaking down the shop. I don't have a Ferrari, just to be clear here. And if I had a Ferrari, I'd get two of them. So one's in the shop and one's at home and I could solve the problem and I'd hire somebody else to transport it back and forth because I don't want to do it. New problems. They're both irritating. They're both a challenge to deal with, but what do you want? Okay. 
pick your problems. That's so great. forced opportunity. Great answer. I like, I'm glad you said that because I always, I, I've always said also where there's adversity, there's opportunity, you know, yeah. and you know, people always say turn lemon, um, lemonade from lemons, right? So no, great, great answer. I'm glad you shared with, with the audience. So this transition of selling your business and yeah. being EXP, I know the model, I'm a fellow colleague. Okay. Um, how does that work for you? Are you going to keep that kind of like ongoing um, business forever? Um, do you plan to transition to coaching permanently? What's kind of your long-term plan with everything? Well, we'll see where it goes because it's, uh, I'm in a process right now and um, I can't talk about too much because I, I've signed an NDA on it. Okay. So um, it's either going to be a referral system for leads that I produced or somebody's literally going to buy the whole system in itself. And, you know, if, if it's not a good fit for, for certain people, then I can switch it to other people. It's just, I, I don't think most agents think about this. They don't think that this is a business. They don't think about running a business. And if you're not building a saleable business, here's your operations manual, shows you how you get your leads, how you convert them, how you, how you take it from contract to close. How do you retain those clients to go through the process again? And it is a duplicatable business. What the heck are you doing? You're just chasing money or letting buyers drag you around. Okay. So um, I think everybody should have, everybody who's in real estate should have that goal. Now, if we're talking outside of real estate, you know, it's, if you have an investor, okay, it, the goal is to sell everything. Why not build an investment group or in a portfolio that you could sell the whole portfolio? And I know people who picked up portfolios too, who bought portfolios, not only sold them, but bought portfolios that are pulling a profit. So think with the ends in mind is just, I think is so crucial. Think with that. And it, it could be for, it's really for anybody. What are you doing? Uh -huh. Are you building something or are you just, you know, when you stop, everything else stops. I love so it. I don't, most of the time I'm doing right now is coaching. It's probably the most, and, and it's, it's, it's coaching people that are working within my business too. That, that, that was great. I'm glad you shared that, Brian, because yeah, I totally believe that too. Begin with the end in mind because some of these realtors, you know, it's one of these things where you're only as good as your last check. Fix and flippers, <laughs> rehabbers, same thing. They're, they're only as good as our last flip. They're not Absolutely. thinking about investing or building for the future. Nope. So yeah, you got to begin with the end in mind. Great tip. Oh yeah. Oh Great. yeah. That's, that's, it's, it's so crucial because then it's, it's your everyday focus. Am I on track or off track? You know, it's, it's measurable. Okay. It's tangible. It's, it's something that then you can sell. And, and I, and I, within real estate, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, First, everybody's bubble here. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just that kind of guy. I'm going to, I'm going to show you how I pulled the rabbit out of the hat. Okay. Raw show for, for okay. All right. Give it, give it real. How many, Joe, how many people do you know that were just so successful in real estate production? Okay. That they retired, stopped working solely based on what they did in real estate production. Name me 10 people. Can you? Yeah. Very, very few could walk away and say, Hey, I've got an asset that I could sell. So good for you. I mean, I 
could probably count them on one hand. Well, so, there you go. So that's the, that's the flaw of the real estate business. And where I see people making the mo- most amount of money in real estate is the opportunities that they find within it. And it could be investment properties. It could be selling their business. It could be buying a brokerage. It could be buying a title or being into a title company, uh, coaching, training, books, uh, Management politicians. <laughs> so there's a lot of opportunities. If you do anything at a high level, your marketing. That's what it is. Yep. Yep. Good stuff, Brian. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. What's the best way to reach you? Well, thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, the best way to reach me, um, whew, if you can't find me out there, that's a problem. If you look at my name and you can't find me, I think that's, then I'm not doing my job. Okay. And I'm not the Brian Ernst musician. I, 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 you know, I just sold all my guitars. I'm not, I wasn't that talented. Let's be honest. Um, but uh, my real estate website is brianernst.net and my coaching website is brianernstcoaching.com. And people are always welcome to reach. You know, this is a phone. It works. You know, I, people are like, don't leave voicemails anymore. And no, it works. It's, it's amazing. You know, my phone number, it's on the screen. It's 630-730-0838. It's right. I don't, it's not a, it's not a secret. Um, it's probably the best way. And you can find me on different social media outlets. Um, if you're with eXp Realty, the best way to reach out to me is probably workplace. Then I know who you are. Yeah, okay. It's probably the easiest thing, but I'm happy to help if it's agents who want to, are not at the level they want to be at, because I'm a big fan of the Jim Rohn quote of you're the average, of the five people you spend the most time with. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks again, Brian. Thank you so much for adding value to our show and we wish you well. Thanks, Joe. Our company is not responsible for the success or failure of your business decisions relating to any information presented by our company or our company programs, products, and or services. 